What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, coach of the podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. Good morning, my guy. Yo, this is a great morning. Woke up to some wonderful news. There's always a reason when we don't record the pod when we're normally supposed to record the pod. There's always a reason, my friend. I know. The sun is shining down upon us today. Typically, Greg and I record right after a game if it's on a Wednesday. So we will get to the Celtics heat here from last night in just a few. Then we're also going to go through and do a quarter of the season check-in on the All-NBA and MVP rankings later in the show. But... As we mentioned, we decided to record on Thursday morning for some different scheduling reasons, and we have been blessed with the Woj bomb that, for the first time in forever, feels like it's in our favor. Al Horford is remaining with the Celtics on a two-year, $20 million contract extension. This will take him into his age 39 season, eliminating any possibility that he walks away from the Celtics for a second time at the end of this season. Greg, you and I have been big Big Al Horford supporters from his original stint with the Celtics. Loomer Loney be damned. Get the hell out of here, my guy. This is news that that I know you and I both saw this morning and brought a huge smile to my face, to our faces. Give me your thoughts. I was I didn't know what the news was when um, we got a text from our buddy Mark McDonough. <laughs> shout out Mark. And he just said, Al, exclamation point. And it seemed excited. So I was, I was like, okay, this seems like good news. Like, what, what is the news? So I immediately Google Al Horford, and it comes up the two-year, $20 million extension. The first thought that went through my mind was that this core is intact through the remainder of Jason Tatum's contract, right? We have Brogdon signed. We have Derek White signed. We have JB for this year and next year. We got Tatum for three more years. Now we got Horford for three more years. And this team is just going to be a real problem the final piece to that puzzle, Rob Williams, can't, can't forget our guy Rob, who's, who's, who's back scrimmaging, uh, is Grant Williams, right? So with Al Horford signing this two-year $20 million deal, maybe this is also some insurance in case you know Grant walks in the summertime if someone signs him to a ridiculous offer sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we still have our front court intact. I think a lot of people were at least flirting with the idea that maybe Horford wouldn't be back. And that's why it was so important to bring back bring back Grant Williams. But now the fact that Horford has this extension, it's not it is important to bring back Grant, but it's not quite as dire if he ends up getting signed away. Yeah, I think that's a huge point about this Al Horford signing is that looking out into the future is how it keeps this core intact. So you already touched on it this offseason, you know, Grant, his qualifying offer, whatever that's going to be. That's one of the more major pillars between now and 2425 unless you know unless something drastic happens in the Jalen Brown era where you know an area I should say you know where he, he he's getting towards that supermax we're going to talk about our all NBA teams he's going to be supermax eligible if he makes that team and right now you know it's looking like there's a there's there's a very strong possibility that this could be the year for him to do and we'll talk more about that later but unless something drastically you know, unless something dramatically changes in the Jalen Brown effect, you can expect, I think, for him to get that, you know, that max deal. And unless he personally decides he doesn't want to be here, I would expect him to be here. And so then it really comes down to that grant and that qualifying offer. Does someone come in and try to make a big bid? But other than that, I'm looking at, you know, our 24-25 season. And let's assume Jalen gets the max and you already have guaranteed before that even happens. You have Tatum, Brogdon, Smart. Derek White, Rob Williams, and Sam Hauser on a team option that are all guaranteed to be on this team in 2024-25. 
that's that's unbelievable, man. That's and, and and all of those guys in there, you know, Brad, Brad has talked before about kind of that trade capital, and I'm and by by no means am I advocating any trades, but obviously two three years from now there could be things that pop up you have a bunch of salaries to work with within there so from the roster being intact with its core as it's presently constructed to what flexibility it gives brad who clearly does not care about first round picks and will attach a first round pick to a guy to go ahead and make a move he needs to make a move i think you are set up so well over the next couple of years and i love this proactive thing from brad stevens yeah and it's 10 million dollars a year that's a bargain for what al horford is still bringing to the table you know, um, he's making 26.5 this season and he's earning his money, honestly. Like, I, that doesn't feel like an overpay for what Al Horford brings to the table for this team. Just the, um, you know, the veteran savvy, the great defense, the three-point shooting that continues to improve, the the fact that we can run offense through him. He's a great screener. Um, he's just a staple to this team, you know, and you would expect Rob Williams eventually to take over that starting role and Horford maybe to slide into a bench role, you know, maybe in the final season of that extension. Mm-hmm. But for now, you know, Al Horford at $10 million a year is one of the best contracts in the entire league if he's able to produce um, at the level that he's currently producing. So I'm absolutely stoked, man. I think Al deserves it. Uh, the Boston Celtics fans deserve it because when Al Horford walked the first time, we were, we were, devastated we love i was shell shocked i i that was something that off season that i did not see coming at all mm-hmm. no I, I feel you I, I feel you and when you know i it's still my contention to this day that if al horford is on the team in the bubble we make it to the finals i mean you saw we'll talk about this here in a second but bam perfect Adebayo, timing right this is all yeah, lining up <laughs> yeah bam out of bio you know he kind of gave it to al last night but two years ago in the bubble, you know, Bam didn't have the bag that he has now. And we were, you know, going going to war with Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice was our, was our main center in, on that team. And if Al Horford is on that team, I still contend we're in the finals, you know, in the bubble season. So yeah. I'm Talk super about- excited for Al. I'm very happy that he's back on the squad. Um, and, you know, let's keep let's keep this ball rolling, dude. Let's keep it rolling here. Shout out to Al Horford. The grill stays open two years 20 million dollars congratulations with that well that was you know this completely threw off our what we had planned in our pre-show prep we had it all lined up what we were going to go through uh but for now let's get back on track here greg and let's keep a morning box score All right, so as we do every time we record after a Celtics game, we will give you the morning score, morning box score breakdown. Last night, Boston Celtics 134, Miami Heat 121 without Jimmy Butler. For the Heat, Max Struess 23 points on 5 of 10 from 3. Bam Adebayo 23 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 turnovers. Tyler Hero 22 points, 6 rebounds, and 9 assists. But let's be real. We know where the story lies. Last night, Jason Tatum was in fuego. 49 points, 8 of 12 from three-point range, 11 of 12 from the free throw line, and just the flex, 11 rebounds, three assists, and two steals. His partner in crime, the best duo in the NBA, Jalen Brown, also had 26 points, 10 of 18 from the field, seven rebounds, five assists, did have six turnovers. We'll touch on that a little bit here. Malcolm Brogdon off the bench, potential sixth man of the year candidate, 21 points, six rebounds, five of seven from three. Celtics go plus nine for the night on rebounds, plus seven on assists. They bring home the win in a what will be a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals again on Friday night, which we will talk about here, which we are going to be back quick plug 
back on playback. For those of you that have been following us here with our journey here with Green with Envy, did it all throughout the playoffs last year. We are going to be back on playback, throwing a watch party for the game on Friday. We will tweet out more information, so make sure you're following us at Green Envy Pod. But we hope that you can join us. Greg, last night, the story is Jason Tatum. So I'm not even going to beat around the bush and say, let's let's start someplace else. We have definitely a few things that we can get into, but it's the Jason Tatum show. Yeah, it's his league now. It really is. <laughs> there, there's just not many guys out there that can do anything with Tatum. And, you know, I know Lowry's getting up there in age, right? But just seeing Kyle Lowry, who in the past has been able to get up underneath Jason Tatum and kind of give him some trouble if, if Lowry gets switched on to him. Tatum just, like, can't be guarded by guys like that anymore. You, I don't know if you saw that clip, um, the Barstool clip of Pat Bev talking about I how was, he likes Dude, our, our brains work so aligned. I was debating. I was like, I really don't want to bring up Barstool, but I did see that. I did see that clip of Pat Bev talking crap, and, yeah, it fits in perfectly with what you're saying. Yeah, so Pat Bev, if, if, if you missed it, basically says – um, he likes guarding guys like Jason Tatum because Jason Tatum's a rhythm player and he likes getting rhythm players out of their rhythm. Um, and it's just like such a Pat Bev thing to say. But Kyle Lowry is very similar. You know, these smaller guys that can get up underneath the bigger guy and give them issues. Now Jason Tatum looks at a Kyle Lowry and he's like, bro, good luck. You know, there's just <laughs> nothing that you can do with me now. And so I I watched the game on replay. I, I had a studio session last night for Black Sheep. So I, I didn't catch it live, but what was going through your mind as you were watching it live? Cause I knew what the end result was going to be. I saw Jason yeah. Tatum had 49 points. So as you're watching it live, what are you thinking? It's one of those nights and we've, we've seen it with Jason Tatum where there's just some of these nights where he's in his bag early and often. And it's just like, there's nothing you can do. I mean, I tweeted out at one point, I think we, cause I think he had maybe 27 at halftime or 25, something, something around that at, at halftime, it was like 50 feels ine- inevitable. This just feels like one of those Jason Tatum games that you're not going to be able to do anything. And, you know, it was off by one point. Could Didn't quite get there. He was hunting for it on that last step back three he took on the wing towards the end of the game and almost got it with the barrage of technical fouls. But, you know, this just felt like one of those nights where there's nothing you can do. Whether you want to play a zone, whether you want to try and, and double team him, Jason Tatum has the answer. To your point, the, the evolution of Jason Tatum is here. And actually, to that Pat Bev point, to, to be somewhat fair about Jason Tatum being a rhythm player, I think maybe you could have said that you know a couple of years ago, like, oh, don't let him get in that rhythm. Disrupt that rhythm. He doesn't need a rhythm. He creates his own rhythm at this point. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you want to do. And certainly, putting you down as Haslam on Jason Tatum on the wing is not what you want to do, Miami Heat. just That was an interesting wrinkle for, for them throwing you down as Haslam in there for basically the first time all season. But, you know, it, it was, and we're going to talk a little bit about this when we get to the all NBA and MVP discussions right now with Jason Tatum. It's just a, how do you want it? Do you want me to bully ball? Do you want me to come baseline Eurostep? Do you want me to hit a dunk the other night? It was a, a game or two ago where, you know, it, it was just kind of a, a dump off to him, but he dunked it in almost a very Giannis Shaq like manner. I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember the, the play that I'm talking yeah, yeah, about. It, it was a, a fast break. It was a three on one opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And they got, yeah. And he, he, took one step and off the vert just threw it down yeah and that was something that felt very different and just stood out to me like that's what superstars do that's Mm -hmm. that's the don't play with me you you you, i'm gonna get buckets don't you dare it's insulting you just gave me this easy bucket and i'm gonna Mm -hmm. throw it in your face and tatum just has that attitude to him right now he's got the skill set to back it up and I mean, it's, it's it's hard to continue to come up with more words to compliment him because I don't know what else to say. He's he's just doing everything at all times right now. 
Yeah, a couple moments that stood out to me last night for Tatum on my rewatch. Well, obviously, it's one of those nights, right, where he's absolutely cooking from three. As you said, he was eight for 12 from three, just in fuego, pull up threes, step back threes. How do you want it? As Catch you said, and shoot threes, whatever yeah, you need. He, he does everything now. Um, my One of my favorite things is Tatum when he sets those screens and then pops out of those screens, either rolling to the basket or popping out for a three. He's just so versatile now as a player. Um but a couple of plays that stood out to me. Tatum on the fast break, he gets fouled by I think Tyler Hero. He goes three on uh, one on three, fouled by Hero, finishes through the contact, and then flexes to the crowd. And when he flexed, dude, I was like, oh my god! Like Scal's right, the the work in the weight room is paying off. That dude is absolutely ripped. He's huge. He's solid. Uh, you don't want to mess with Jason Tatum on a fast break. And then you mentioned his two steals, that one steal that he had against Kyle Lowry when Lowry tried to throw the ball to the corner and Tatum just like extendo arms, grabs that thing and then just takes off Mm -hmm. like a freaking rocket. And I'm like, oh boy. And he's, he's low to the ground. He's got Kyle Lowry spinning in circles, running back on defense. Max Struess, who actually drew a couple of offensive fouls on Tatum in transition over the last couple of years and in the playoffs last year, had no shot. He yeah. thought he was going to get there, and he saw Tatum with his head down. And he was like, I don't want any of this. <laughs> he just kind of like olays him, gets out of the way, and then Tatum was kind of off balance and then finishes with some jelly off, off the glass. And I'm just like, whoa, this and, and- dude is an MVP. That's what I mean. And, and you, like you said, he's kind of off balance. He's he's shooting floaters at different times off the wrong foot, it feels like, so defenders can't get a read on it. it he's doing it from different areas of the court where you can't predict what's coming. I mean, the evolution of, of Jason Tatum's game is it, it's, it's miraculous to watch because I, I just don't I don't even know what's coming. You know how sometimes you watch a player long enough, you're like, oh, he's this is his spot. This mm-hmm. is where he's going to do x y or z i don't i don't know what's coming because i just think jason tatum is is you know it's it's, he's just the way that the celtics offense is reading reacting he's reading reacting just like what do i feel like doing Mm -hmm. right now and yeah it's it's impressive like you said i i think this this might maybe this is jason tatum's league now we'll see you know there's a couple other guys that that want to stake a claim to that we'll talk about them here in a little bit but last night it was it was certainly jason tatum's world and just dominating the miami heat but let's move on to a few other topics from this game um you know the, the heat i will say this they don't die. The Heat always refused to die. They kept hanging around this game. No Jimmy Butler for them, so they're not at full strength. And, you know, they play zone basically the whole game, or the majority of the game. I don't want to say the whole game, but the majority of the game, they bust out that zone. And, of course, if you're a Celtics fan, you know, you already mentioned when we were talking about Al Horford, you know, going back to not having him in the bubble series when it felt like, you know, they busted out that zone and we turned into a St. Anne CYO team and, and weren't sure what to do or or how to pass the ball or, you know, or, or, or how to handle it in, by any regard. And now you look at this team, Jason Tatum was breaking the zone. I think Al Horford, did a great job, you know, while he obviously, you know, had to deal with Bam on the other end. Uh, you know, I think he did a great job of being the zone breaker. And Greg, you know, I looked at some of the, the player prop bets before the game. I knew that he had been playing a lot of zone. I didn't think they played quite as much zone as they did. But saw that there was a prop bet on Al Horford for two and a half, two and a half assists. Took the over on that with plus odds. Beat it in the first quarter. Was feeling good. <laughs> Was feeling fantastic. You're, dude, you got the Midas touch on your bets, bro. It's not even the Midas touch. It's just, hey, if they're going to play a lot of zone, 
who are going to be the main guys that are that are helping the Celtics get out of that zone? It's going to be Al. It's going to be Tatum. It may be smart depending on the lineup, but it's mostly going to be Tatum and Al that are going to be you know either at the top of the key or in the middle, you know, getting the ball and then making smart decisions. And so I was like, you know what? This feels like a bet that's 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 going to go well. And so I'm curious to get your thoughts on the rewatch. I told you a little bit that you know, obviously I was. You know, I said that he played 95% of their possessions in, in zone, which, you know, probably wasn't too far off, but it was the majority of the game. What was your thoughts going into it, knowing that you're probably looking for, all right, how are the Celtics handling the zone now? What, two years removed from the bubble? Yeah, I think the whole point of a zone is to make teams, well, one, to break rhythm, right? So if you go man to man, you, you throw in a zone just as a wrinkle. But the Heat were in zone from possession number one. So the Celtics knew like, all right, this is how we're going to have to attack it. And they didn't really change too much of what they were doing on the offensive end. There was still a lot of screening. You can always screen zones. Any coach would tell you one of the best ways to beat a zone is to keep your man principles. Still screen, still cut. Right. And the Celtics were doing that throughout the game. The point of his own is to get teams to kind of take those early shots. And, you know, they, they're like, oh, I'm kind of wide open here on the wing. I could shoot this shot right now with 18 seconds left in the shot clock, or I could drive a gap and continue to get the, the team in rotation. And that's what the Celtics did for most of the night. You, you heard Scal a couple times kind of lament the fact that the Celtics were kind of passing the ball around the perimeter and weren't cutting enough. That wasn't the majority of the game. That was just, you know, kind of a part of the game. A lot of drive and kick action. As you said, Brogdon was doing a great job driving into the teeth of the defense. Derek White did a good job. But there were also some great cuts, and there was one action, I think Cornette was in the game, and they had him at the high post. And we were looking to get the ball into Luke. I think Derek White had it on the left side of the court. Looks about get the ball into Luke, and then Luke exits towards the baseline and the moment Luke exits towards the baseline Jalen Brown is opposite wing and he fills that space at the at the high post he actually didn't get the ball they didn't pass mm -hmm. him the ball but I just loved that movement from JB where he understood like oh there's a soft spot in the middle of that zone. Let's continue to get there. You can get there in many ways. You can dump the ball into a big man. You can run some high-low. You can cut from the wing. You could pass the ball to the wing and cut through from the top. There are a bunch of different ways that you can get into the teeth of a zone. And um, I thought the Celtics did a great job with that all night. As you said, Jason Tatum, absolute problem there. Another play against the zone that stood out to me, you can always attack a zone also on the baseline. Right in the fourth quarter, JB, after having four fouls, sits the whole third quarter, comes in. You can tell he's like, All right, I'm going to put my stamp on this game. I'm going to get my buckets. And I thought he did a great job. And Marcus Smart misses JB on an alley oop attempt um, on one possession. And the very next possession off that right baseline, Marcus and JB knew that they had it the first time. And Smart mm -hmm. was like, All right, I'm going to it this next time. And they hit JB for that great alley oop. And that's there as well. So the Celtics aren't just like beating the zone in one way. They're starting to see all the different ways that they can exploit that zone. And they did a great job because that zone has given us issues in the past. Mm -hmm. And last night, I mean, we still had 134. <laughs> That's yeah. It's, and then the thing is like, I, I wanted to, and it feels ridiculous to say, cause it felt like there was a hit, like a, a few small moments of time where it's like oh man that zone really got to us forced i mean we had more turnovers than we usually do last night i think in total the celtics had let me see here 18 turnovers so you know a relatively high turnover game and so it feels like yeah there might be some you put up 134 points it's hard to say man that zone gave us real problems and outside of those few moments you know it felt like it was night and day compared to 
what the Celtics were in the bubble. And a lot of that is obviously the evolution of some of the guys that are that are here with the team. And then you add in Malcolm Brogdon, who I thought was spectacular last night. You add in, you know, guys like Al Horford. And, you know, I, th- I think it's interesting because when you, when you say zone, I think the first thing most people think too is, oh, we got to shoot them out of it, you know? And it's, you know, and that's when you would be like, oh, this is going to be a big night for Grant Williams and Sam Hauser. Well, it wasn't. It, I mean, it, we didn't, we definitely still hit 22 th- excuse me, still hit 22 threes. Malcolm Brogdon and Jason Tatum went nuts collectively from beyond the three-point line. But it's not those guys that, that, that you would be thinking of. And like you said, it's maintaining a lot of those same principles. And so the way that the Celtics were able to counteract that, and as you said, typically zone, especially in the NBA, is going to be, let me show you something different. This is what the Heat were came out and was their game plan to do. And I'll be very interested to see, you know, number one, if Jimmy Butler's back, on friday if that changes how they approach things they feel they can match up a little bit better to maybe not have to go zone if this if zone was them trying to make up for the fact that they're not at 100 percent um but the heat have been doing this all year because they've been down quite a bit with injuries so this has been something that they've been doing throughout the year but let's flip to the other side of the ball here for a minute greg what were your thoughts on on the Celtics defense? Because like I've like I've said a couple times now, Heat somewhat undermanned. Jimmy Butler's obviously their best player. His offense, especially in the regular season, is nothing like his offense in the playoffs when he just turns into I don't know what he, he turns into Charizard, or whatever, whatever, whatever analogy you want to use from Pokemon World that we do before about guys evolving. He does that in the postseason. Typically not that type of guy in the regular season, but the Heat refused to die. They kept hanging around in this game. They kept finding ways, whether it was Tyler Hero or Bam Adebayo. Uh, Haywood Highsmith had a nice game, four of six from three for him. You know, what were your thoughts on, on the Celtics defense? Because the numbers are are still relatively average. I think this, the defense is definitely getting better as we look ahead towards Rob Williams coming back. But there's definitely still areas for improvement. So I'm curious to get kind of your thoughts as you were as you were watching that game, either late last night or early this morning. You know, it's it's crazy because the Heat really just ran one action the entire game, and that was just Bam out of bio and pick and roll and Bam out of bio like elbow actions. So it was a lot Which of he's Bam. really good at. Yeah. Yeah. And as we alluded to earlier in the pod, you know, we were kind of trusting Al Horford to just contain Bam when Bam was going ISO. And Bam's bag has really, really improved, man. He's he's strong off the dribble. He's so forceful on his drives that you have to brace for impact. And when you have to brace for impact on somebody, it makes them that much quicker and that much more slippery because you're constantly kind of on your heels, ready to take the contact with the shoulder coming into your chest. And I thought Bam was just dominant, you know, whether he was scoring the ball or whether he was affecting the game by setting screens, Bam's really, really improved as an offensive player. And the Celtics, you know, we we were kind of sitting in drop or we were just scared to leave Bam's body in pick and roll actions. And they have some great shooters. You know, Tyler Mm -hmm. Hero, when you give him space off a pick and roll, when you're in a trail position as as a guard going over the top of that screen, and when you're getting a legal screen by Bam half the time, you know, you're already a step and a half behind. Hero's great in space like that. You know, we saw that that game in the bubble where he dropped 38 and, you know, broke our hearts. Um, he he can really get going. He makes good reads when when there's space in front of him. And then you got Max Struess coming off the of screens where he's just you know firing that thing from distance. And we tried to do our best to contest from behind. We tried to go under screens a couple times, but it seemed like the Celtics were okay with that. They're like, okay, this is the one action they're gonna run. 
Um, if they if they beat us with this action, we're okay because we're not going to let everybody get off. It's going to be Bam and whoever is you know whoever is going off of that screen. And maybe they didn't think that Max Struess was going to do what he did. Maybe they didn't think Tyler Hero could could be a problem. And they they were good. Um, they weren't good enough. You know yeah. the, that's that's the thing. The Celtics offense is just so good. The other team's offense, no matter how many holes there are in our defense, they have to bring it for 48 minutes, and most teams can't, dude. I mean, that, that game was close until the last couple of minutes where the Celtics just blew them out in the last three minutes of the game. And, and that was one of the thoughts that I had as the game was kind of teetering back and forth at certain points was, all right, this game stays somewhat close late. Are, is, 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 is as much as Bam's offense has improved? Is he bringing this home? Is Tyler Hero bringing this home late against Jason Tatum, who was on one. So, I mean, I think that would that would stop a lot of the questions right there. But then you have Jalen Brown and Malcolm Brogdon was 5 of 7 from 3. Malcolm Brogdon was, was great in this game offensively. It's like, when we get down to the end of this game, how are they going to, to your point, find a way to get enough buckets to win? I just I just don't see that happening. And so, you know, while I think the Celtics defense can can still improve, I think part of it is when your offense is this good, it's and this sounds like me kind of making an excuse. It's sometimes it's hard to lock in as much as you probably need to when we get to the postseason, you know, possession after possession to be that tight when you know, hey man, we're gonna get up and run and we never put up less than about 120 points. And most teams aren't, you know, even even if you want to say our defense isn't where it needs to be, most teams aren't putting up 120 points on us. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, they got 121 last night, but you know, it's just it, it, the offense is is that suffocating right now that I'm having a hard time being too concerned about the defense, especially when we see video clips of Rob Williams blocking some shots in practice. And we know that his return is kind of looming over this team. So, you know, maybe that's a a topic for, for another day, but um, really excited to see what, and I love these little back-to-back matchups that the NBA Mm -hmm. started doing over the last few years. I'd love to see what counteractions might happen. So quick plug, another reminder here, we're going to be back on playback. Come join us. All you need to have is either a cable login or a league pass login. Sign up is real quick. Couple of about two, three easy steps. Um, you can find the links uh, on at Green MV Pod. We'll have that printed. Uh, it's not printed out. What year is it? We'll have that tweeted out for you so that you can go ahead and log in. I'll also make sure I post it on our Instagram. Um, but real quick, before we go ahead and take a quick break here, Greg, any predictions on what you're looking for in it doesn't have to be a prediction, but anything you're looking for on Friday as these two teams square off again? Um, first of all, I just want to explain what playback is to everyone in case you don't know what playback is. Playback is a virtual watch party. Um, so if you've ever seen like the Manning cast on ESPN, basically it's like that, but me and Will are the Manning brothers. And we'll be there and you can comment, uh, you can listen to our um commentation that's not the word but you can listen to us talk about the game and or you could listen to the national broadcast talk about the game and you can just uh comment in the chat right so we'll interact with you we'll give our thoughts keep it loose keep it light and we just have a good time last year in the playoffs we did it almost every single game i think we had about 194 people come through it's a really good time um sometimes we bring in special guests sometimes it's just me and will and we'll be doing this periodically throughout the season uh make sure you're following us on twitter at green envy pod so that you can get all that information that will just reference and will to answer your question um i'm just looking to see if the celtics can keep this up because i think i'm gonna bet 
the Celtics and the over, as you always do. Celtics money line and the over. My, my my best friend, other than you, Greg, has been Celtics money line and the over. So right now, it's probably hitting about 85% of the time this year. I haven't bet it every game. Um, I will say the one game I didn't bet it uh, recently was the Kings game. Um, and that's when the line got a little too high for my for my liking. Got that's a little the one nervous. time I did bet it. Yeah, yeah. So basically, my strategy has been if they keep it below about 225, 226, if the Celtics are putting up 120 on their own every game, that's only 105, 106 points the other team needs to put up. And if the other team's doing that, that's actually a pretty good defensive night when you think about league averages around, you know, of where they're at right now. So that's been kind of my my go-to bet. So there's a little advice for you, kids. If you are placing a bet, Celtics money line and the over, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, talk a little all-NBA, talk a little MVP. We'll be right back. Well, if you can believe it, we are roughly about a quarter of the way through the season uh, across the NBA right now. Um, it's, it's so something that Greg and I have talked about doing, and, and I'm really excited to do. This is something that I find personally, you know, very interesting. Celtics are 22 games into the season, 18 and four, is kind of seeing how 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 these awards, specifically, I find all NBA and MVP probably the two most interesting awards at the end of the season. And I really wanted to see how they changed throughout the year. And you look back at last year's Celtics season, right, Greg? And if you think about the first quarter of the season, I don't even know if we could. We couldn't justify mentioning a Celtic in either of these awards. We would be the biggest homers in the world if a quarter of the way through the season last year, we were trying to make cases for anyone to be all NBA or MVP. And, you know, and look at how dramatically that shifted by the end of the year. Jason Tatum is first team all NBA. He ends up fifth in the MVP voting. You know, Jalen Brown is on the fringes of it. The Celtics are a juggernaut by the time the playoffs roll around. So a lot of things can change. So this is just us trying to track kind of how everything changes throughout the season. So let's start with with, with all NBA and then we'll wrap with MVP because I think all NBA is going to cover all of the candidates that, that we're going to have in our top five for MVP. And then we're going to track this midway through the season, 75% of the way through the season. And then of course, end of season, we'll give you our final predictions before they go live. But let's start with all NBA, Greg. And for me, when I was trying to break down, I did an initial list, just who do I know is going to be on these all NBA teams. I had 11 spots that I felt very confident that I know that these guys, and we can debate which team they go on, but I had 11 guys that through the quarterway mark, they're a lock as of right now to be on this team. Where were you at with that? Was uh, How easy was the first set of guys that you got to? Um, it was pretty easy. Like, I, I think I know which 11 guys you have. Um, that would be a fun conversation after we go through the teams. Uh, but I think the biggest thing for me was – there was like two spots that I think you can debate. I think the first team on BA, I think there are seven guys that I would say are in the running, maybe eight. And I think those are the eight guys that we have as our top eight in our rankings, top 50 guys. Um, so I, I'm just really interested to see how you delineated um, those last couple of spots. Cause for me, I'm just going to go ahead. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you my team right now. Which team first are you starting team, with here? First team, team on uh, do you want to start with third team? No, no, let's build up because that, that's where it gets really difficult. So let's start with first teams. We're probably going to have basically either the same guys or we're debating who belongs on what team. So give me your full first team. And I'll give you mine. Then we'll go from there. Okay. Let me tell you the guys that I think 100% are on your first team. I mm-hmm. think there's one spot that we can debate here. Steph Curry. On it. Jason Tatum. On it. Giannis. On it. Jokic. Not on it. Interesting. Okay. Um, so... 
the other guard that I have is Devin Booker. Love that call. He's on my second team. I'm not really, I'm not mad at the first team. I have Luca. So I have Stefan Luca as my, as my backward. I'm assuming Luca is obviously on your second team. Yep. So I have Stefan Luca in the backcourt. You mentioned Jason Tatum. Giannis is the other guy on my, um, for the, for the forward spot. And then I had Embiid over Jokic, but I couldn't really fight you too much on, on Jokic versus Embiid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's the same battle we've had for years. Yep. One's first, one's second. They're both going to be somewhere near the top five. I mean, I, I think, honestly, at this point in the season, you could go either way. I mean, th- they're both going to be first and second team. So Jokic or Embiid, I'm fine with either of them on the first team. But you didn't – did you did you mention Giannis or did you not mention Giannis during the, the people that you thought I had as locks? No, I mentioned him. You mentioned him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So so I have Steph, Luka, JT, Giannis, Embiid. You had Steph, Booker, JT, Giannis, Jokic was what you had. Yeah, right? and the reason why I went Jokic is they're 14-7 and seven in the Sixers – I think they're around 500 right now. And Bede's missed a couple games. He was very underwhelming to start the season. Jokic has been a beast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jokic, I think last year, I may have made the argument for Embiid over Jokic. I also would have made the arg- argument for Giannis over Jokic, um, despite Jokic having you know those historic on-off numbers and all the stuff that, that comes with Jokic. Um, I just think this year, you know, he's he's been unbelievable and the Nuggets are one of the best teams of basketball. So the only guy on my first team that's on a team that isn't killing it right now is Steph Curry, because yep. I think he's been that transcendent and the Warriors have dealt with, you know, a, a storm of stuff happening around that squad. And he's kind of kept them afloat throughout that storm. So I think if this is later in the year, I'm probably having a very similar list to you. So I, I'd get probably too bogged down with is your team winning? Because mm-hmm. I like like for me that as much as how great you are individually it needs to translate to the team in some way. And that's for me with all NBA. That's why I love all NBA. So I think it's a, a, you know, a combination of how great are you individually, but how great does your individualism make your team better? And mm-hmm. so for me, basically everybody on the, on the all NBA teams needs to come from winning unless there's certain, you know, exceptions. And there's going to be a guy that we talk about here that at least for now is, is part of that. And I tried not to let that bog me down too much just for this round because it's 20 games in. Yeah, and there's a guy that we're gonna get to here in a minute who I didn't know what to do with, and and I almost left him off because he's only played about half the games, but also it's 20 games, so it's it, as long as he plays the remainder of the game, he doesn't have much leg room to miss too many games. But we'll talk about him in a minute. I wasn't sure what to do with, so I tried not to let that that get me too much, which is why I have Luca first team, um, but Booker was easy for me. So so let's go to the second team now All right. of of what we have here. So here's let me give you my second team, and then we'll we'll go from there. So I mentioned Jokic. He's so Embiid, Jokic, whatever. We, we don't need to talk about them again. They're going to be first and second team. The rest of my second team in the guard spots, I've got SGA and Devin Booker. Okay. And then in the forward spots, I've got Kevin Durant and Pascal Siakam. Okay. Um, so I have a different guard. So I went okay. Ja over um, – actually, I have SGA in there. Okay. Yeah, so I have Ja and SGA as my guards, um, but I have Ja on my second team. You, uh, I'm assuming, have him on your third team. I do. And then I have Luca as a forward mm-hmm. instead of a guard. I have KD and I have Embiid. Okay. Um, so who was the one guy you you were talking about? Siakam? He hasn't played yeah. enough games? Okay, yeah. yeah. I, so I have Siakam on my third team. I'll just th- throw that out there right say, now. Say your second team for me one more time. Ja, mm-hmm. SGA, mm-hmm. Luca, KD, Embiid. 
Gotcha. Okay, you move Luca to a forward. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's so that's the part of all NBA that gets interesting, right? Is when you when you flip guys to to different positions, and that's I, so traditionally, if I think Luca has been voted as a guard, but he, he is going to be eligible at forward. He's so there's totally going to be he's a point forward, and that's I mean this is this is part of the all NBA discussion. That's not fun. It's just it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. Yeah, you know, going by by these delineations that are deemed by the league or whatever, and so. That's where, you know, putting Luca as a forward actually opens it up quite a bit. And it got really tough, honestly, because the wing position, while it's deep, there's some the guys at the top that you normally want to put here, Kawhi, LeBron. I mean, Paul George still made consideration for me. DeMar DeRozan is still in consideration. You know, they're they're right there. But some of the guys that you're used to just being like, this is where these guys slot in and you're almost not even thinking about it. They're either just not there or their teams aren't successful. They're hurt. And so it's, it's leaving this kind of gap of what do we do? And then the evolution of the league where you have bigger guys like Luca that are playing this point forward role. And so it does leave it open for a really interesting debate. So this is going to make our third team very interesting, but that's kind of that Luca spot is where, you know, is where I put Siakam because I, I ran out of like, I, I was really struggling with how to fill out the last three forward spots because I think Siakam has been awesome. My biggest thing with him was just, I don't think he's, he's played quite enough. And I was actually really debating between him and Jalen Brown for that spot, but I had to press myself a little bit in is putting Jalen Brown there a little too homerish. Did it feel a little, a little homery? The answer to me was, was yes. I don't think necessarily, I think you could make an argument for it, mm-hmm. but it felt a little homery. And then when I look at him and Pascal Siakam, the biggest difference for me is the load that Pascal carries as far as being a playmaker for that team. And you look at his rebounds, his assists, and then, you know, uh, on Celtics blog, Will Bjarnar, hope I'm saying your name right, my guy, did a great article on uh, on Jalen Brown about his defense has not been great this year. And so when you look at those, you know, the culmination of those things together, I leaned Pascal. Obviously, like I said, he doesn't have a lot of room left for missing games. So we'll see how that plays out. But that was ultimately my reasoning for going Siakam on the second team. And I'm kind of giving away a little bit here, but JB is going to be on my third team. Yeah, let's go into third team. So third teams, I think, is going to be interesting. Yeah. I think we're going to have a lot of differences here. So let, let's, guards, go, let's, let's go by position then. So let's start with the guards. Who are your guards? Okay. Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton. Ooh, love the Halliburton move. He's on my he's on my list. And honestly, if I if I had shifted around some of the positions, he might make my team. Okay. So I went with John Morant and Donovan Mitchell. Those are the two guys that that I had there. So I think we have if you're if you for me, I had Luca as a guard. Otherwise, I had the six guards for me were very easy because I consider Luca a guard. The six guards, I knew who they were. It was just which team. And I kind of went back and forth on which team team each guy was going to be on um but love the Tyrese Halliburton the Pacers are 12 and 9 playing well above you know what people expected their level of play to be um he's been a beast that sequence last night that everyone's or not last night but from a couple nights ago that everyone broke down against the Lakers his decision making not panicking kind of the the presence that he's brought to a young team I know I don't remember I don't know if they played last night but I know but going into at least last night's action his last three games 40 assists and zero turnovers crazy like that's insane. I don't, I don't. I don't even know how that's that's possible. But yeah, Tyrese Halliburton is is a great choice here. He was on my short list of of guys that I had to consider, but I felt very confident in in the six guards the way I had them laid out as mm-hmm. as to who they were going to be. You know what's interesting is the next guard that was in consideration for me was Darren Fox, who used to play yep. with Tyrese Halliburton. They actually played last night. The Kings uh, lit the beam. 
Last night, so they got, Love they, got their, they got their revenge. 50 Cent actually lit the beam. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't see that he lit the beam. Out. I saw he was giving uh, some type of talk during practice. I don't know. I don't understand why he was there, but hey, it's cool. It's 50 Cent. Yeah, I mean, get rich or die trying, baby. <laughs> uh, it. I, I think with, with Halliburton versus Fox, what it came down to uh, was the style of play. And I think Fox is just a little bit less of a traditional point guard. I lean traditional point guard over scoring point guard. I think I love Fox. I think he's been unbelievable. Um, I went with Halliburton because of some of the crazy numbers that he's been putting up the way that he has a little bit less to work with, with the Pacers. Although one of my favorite bets, uh, futures bets this year was Pacers over. I think they had them at like 22 or 23 wins real or something like that. And I was like, I'm hammering that over. And uh, it looks, it looks pretty good for me. I just like the way they play. They're they're super fast, super athletic, and Halliburton is the you know the, the kind of the straw that stirs that drink. Yeah. So I, ha- I had to give him that. He's making, he's making our guy Aaron Nismith into a, in, into a real player. I mean, I think Nismith just needed to to have a situation where he could be yeah. free. But he but having that. Halliburton to set him up has has been massive. You know, I've I've started to tune into a little bit more of these Pacers games, and they're they're a really fun team, man. I like. There's, I, I really hope they don't actually make that Buddy Heald Miles Turner trade. Because I like the way that that team works right now. So I like that Halliburton pick. He was right on the fringes for me. Let's let's go to the forwards here. So I mentioned Jalen Brown is getting one of the spots. The other spot, I really struggled with who I wanted to go with. So I want to hear first, who are your two forwards on the, on the third? I'm going to guess you went Paul George. Um, I went Jalen Brown and Siakam. So I didn't have okay. Siakam on an earlier team. Got you. Okay, so that made it a little bit easier with shifting, shifting Luka. So... I have Paul George written down. I don't feel good about it. It's, I never feel good about anything, Paul George, man. You, you, I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking about Paul, Paul George. This, yeah, this, this, I don't this, like this is George. one of our, our differences here is I do like Paul George. I think Paul George is really good. I think year in and year out, you're, you're getting, you know, a, to a degree, if Kawhi had stayed healthy, I think it's a version of what we have in Boston with the Jalen Brown and in Jason Tatum dynamic, or that's, that was at least the plan. And they just have never really had a time where they're fully out there. And Kawhi's out again, after a little comeback, he's out again. And so it's not looking super promising, but you know, the Clippers are still a solid team. They're 13 and 10. Paul just is all basically the same numbers. The guy I really wanted to put there and who I think will end up there is Zion. I want to put Zion there. I look at the Pelicans. I tried to figure out if him or, and it's him over Brandon Ingram right now. I think who's, who's the better player in that team. But it just feels underwhelming. And I've been trying to tune into some Pelicans games, and, and they've been really good, but it feels like their top-end talent hasn't impressed me the way I hoped it would. And it's actually been the Herb Jones, the Alvarados, the C.J. McCollums, the Trey Murphys, the guys that are a little bit lower than Zion and Ingram that I think have impressed me when I tune into their games. And it's like, okay, this team is going to be a problem, but I feel like I still need a little bit more out of Brandon Ingram and Zion. And apparently Zion had a, had a beast of a game. Yeah. I was, uh, I was actually just, just going to say that. So I think with Zion, we have to give him time because he hasn't played basketball in a long time. I'm sure part of the beginning of the season, just getting back in shape. He looks more explosive already. Just remembering that he can trust his body and that he can still do the things that make him great. And our guy S um, he, huge on the OG and Anobi defensive player of the year train. He's been, you know, he's one of the biggest Raptors fans out there. He's always talking about how great the Raptors are, how strong they are, how athletic they are. They're the, you know, the deepest um, crop of wings in the league. And he was just like, wow, like Zion just destroyed our team last night. And that doesn't happen to the Raptors very often. 
OG, who's one of the strongest guys in the league, couldn't do anything with Zion last night. I was able to watch a little bit of that game this morning. And Zion, I mean, dudes are just bouncing off of him. He looks motivated again. He looks he's, like he's he cloaked energy. in vibranium. I said that yeah. about him two years ago. Yeah. People just bounce off him. He's six, 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 seven, whatever he is in the lane. Uh, I started watching that that Shaq documentary on HBO Max where you know they're talking about him shooting 71% in the lane. That's what Zion does, but he's mm-hmm. five, six inches smaller than Shaq and there's just no way to stop him so I I have Paul George written down but I thought about this this morning I was taking my dog for a walk I was like do I really want to go with Paul George it's just I I like Paul George I think Paul George is good I'm gonna say Zion even though I think he has work to do my official quarter check-in is gonna be Zion for that for that spot so JB Zion get the forward spots and then all that's left for us here is the center spot. And I thought for me, there's there's really two candidates. I don't really know who to go with at this point. My two candidates that I have are Anthony Davis and Bam Adebayo. Mm-hmm. Who, yep. Who'd you go with? I went, I went with AD. Um, okay. AD let's let's go with AD. We'll keep, we'll keep it yeah. synchronized. Cause I, it, it was a little bit of the Laker bias in me. That was like, ah, I just, I mean, we didn't and even I mention have, And I have a Lakers player in, in yeah, the NBA. Ex- yeah. Exactly. But he has been really good over the last, and we're only talking about 20 games here. So when I say he's been really good the last two or three weeks, that actually holds, you know, a little bit of weight here with the the short time frame that we're working within. Um, you know, LeBron has been out of the lineup. So I didn't even, I, you know, I wrote him down because his numbers are still great, but mm-hmm. we haven't even mentioned him. This is like, this is the first That's time crazy. we've ever had a conversation like this. And LeBron's just an afterthought, which is mm-hmm. wild. And so, you know, the Lakers, I don't want to say they're turning it around, but they've been better. And his numbers have been really, really good. He stopped shooting from the outside. He's going inside more because that jump shot is just, I don't know what the, what the hell happened to that jump shot. It is. You know what's, you know, what's good for, for AD though, is he's back shooting in the mid eighties for free throws. So that was something over the last few years where he was at in the 60s. And I, one of the things I always used to love about Anthony Davis was that he has a smooth stroke. It's very buttery. And he was always a knockdown free throw shooter. And for some reason, he just forgot how to shoot free throws over the last couple of years. And it was very, very similar to what happened to Russell Westbrook. Westbrook early in his career was a mid eighties free throw shooter. And then all of a sudden he just couldn't hit them anymore. There was a yeah. big discussion about, they changed the rules where Russ couldn't walk back to the, to half court I remember in the middle that. of his routine. Yeah. And that's when it all kind of went downhill for Russ, which was really, really strange. It's something as seemingly small as that would, would make you a 20% creatures of habit, man. Yeah. 20% seems a bit extreme. <laughs> we, we are creatures of habit, but that's like, as if, uh, was it, was it John Wall used to put the ball around his back? Yeah. Uh, for free throws like imagine if they just told me couldn't do that anymore and he dropped by 20 percent. yeah like it's i don't know that seems hard to fathom but you're right that that is interesting to note so yeah i think i think anthony davis here as the choice for third team all nba center i think i'm cool with that so through the quarter mark you and i very similar list as far as who's there any anyone else that you think is you mentioned De'Aaron fox for guards mm-hmm. that was kind of just right on the edge for me that's halliburton who you had on i did not it's yeah. kind of right there on the edge Anyone else that you think that we haven't mentioned that you're like, hey, by the time we get to the halfway point, I'm not going to be surprised if this guy takes somebody's spot. Nobody that we haven't mentioned. I agree with you. I think Zion, LeBron, and Fox are probably the three guys that aren't on my teams that were like the last cuts. Um, I think any of those three guys could play their way onto one of the uh, onto the third team um, by by the midpoint of this of this season. And then I would say, you know. SGA has got to be able to keep it up. Uh, Halliburton's got to be keep, able to keep it up. And then Jalen, I would say those are the three guys that might go out the other way. Mm-hmm. And bam, you know, bam is yeah. great. As we saw last night and over the last few games, bam had back-to-back 30 point games for the first time in his career. Mm-hmm. And he's just really, really developing into a special offensive player 
sans Jimmy Butler, who's been out pretty much the whole season. So that's another guy. So th- if we were doing a fourth team NBA, <laughs> those guys <laughs> are on it, probably along with Paul George. I like yeah. Paul George as a fourth team NBA guy, just not. He's, not he's a fourth team guy for you, yeah. just not a third team. He does have quite a few third teams. That, that's like he's got that one first team that he has like five third teams. So that is kind of Paul George's bread and butter right there. But that's our first quarter check in on the All NBA. Let's flip over to the MVP, and we can do this one a little bit quicker here, Greg. We've already touched on mm-hmm. all of the guys that we are going to have on on this list. So let's do our top five. And you mentioned it before we even started the All-NBA. I think there's probably about eight guys that I would feel confident on this on this list. I think there's you know probably the guys that are at the top two, three that are going to have to be on this list. Maybe even four. Really, for me, there was four I felt pretty secure are going to be on this list. And then it was that last fifth spot where I was like, man, I could really make an argument for about three to five guys here to get this last spot. So let's go from five to one. And I'll start. Number five for me the guy who dropped 51 points last night that's devin booker and by the way that's crazy that we we just talking about just last night's slate of games zion went nuts jt went nuts booker went nuts it's just every night there is guys going off in this new crop of nba superstars that are on the on the come up like i think this is the year the league is officially changing over from the old to the new you know minus steph curry who we'll talk about he's the one guy him and kevin durant still kind of hanging on everybody else feels like it's kind of a changing of the guard so devin booker for me was the guy that that i went in my fifth spot okay so i factored winning into this similar to how i did on ba so in my fifth spot i have curry although you could make the argument Ooh, that he okay. he is the best player in the league this year his team just hasn't been performing to the standard to which the reigning NBA champions and the biggest dynasty of the last you know 20 years uh, should be. So I have Curry fifth, um, but that's purely based on team success. He's on my list too, so I'll, I'll save my thoughts on him for just a minute here. You know who is so Steph Curry got the fifth spot. Who didn't get into your top five is is, is the better question before we go on to number four. <laughs> okay um uh, trying to think of the best way to frame this uh i don't know who the guys are that you would say are just on the brink of that i'm assuming Embiid. um i'm assuming maybe luca and ja those guys are not in my top five as, as i said team success was important to me so all the guys in my top four are in the top four teams in the league okay gotcha so yeah i think i think Embiid for me Jokic, Durant, were kind and Ja. Those were kind of the guys that that didn't quite make it. You mentioned Luca. That's a great transition. He's my number four. I went with Luca, and, and you're right. I think when we fast forward to the end of the season, my list is going to look like you're going to have to basically be a top four team in either of your conferences, unless it's you know extenuating circumstances like like Jokic last year, where it's like, oh, this guy's missing literally the next two best players on his team. And there's a game difference between him and anyone else that we're considering for MVP. That's a different set of circumstances. Typically, for me, you got to be in that top four-ish range within your conference. We'll see if the Mavericks get there. But Luca's numbers are just off the charts. He's he's unbelievable. You know, we talked a lot about him and JT, him versus JT in our last episode. Uh, so I don't need to go into it too much. But he took home the number four spot for me. He, he didn't make your list. Who's your number four? Jokic. Okay. Yeah. That so uh, yeah. So the top four teams in the league are the Celtics, the Bucks, the Suns, and the Nuggets. So you can assume who my uh, my top guys are. 
<laughs> but yeah, yeah I, th- I think Jokic, Jokic has been unbelievable. I love watching that guy play. He's averaging, you know, mid twenties, nine rebounds, eight assists, something like that. And he's just unstoppable when he's on the court. He has complete control of the game. Um, as I said, he's, he's a very limited defender, but he's, he's solid in what he does. He's just, he can get exposed just like Luke can get exposed. I think he tries a little bit harder on defense than Luca does though. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, and yeah, I got I got nothing to add to that. Jokic, Jokic being in the four spot makes a lot of sense, and I think honestly, you know, I just I know he's not going to win it, so I'm I'm letting that kind of obstruct my view a little bit, even though it probably should because he's been equally as awesome, if not better, and the team is probably is not even probably is better than what it was the last year or two when he won the MVP award outright. Number three, I've got Giannis. I think he's the best player in the world. Uh, as much as I love Jason Tatum, we said it's Jason Tatum's league. This is this is one of the guys that I think is going to have a little bit of umbrage with, oh, it's Jason Tatum's league now, is it? And he also had a monster night, even though he fouled out at the end of the game against a win against the Knicks. He had something like 37, 13, and 7 or something. something, something <laughs> 37, 13, and yeah, 7. Yeah, something casually absurd, that which Giannis does on, on a nightly basis. You know, I think he's going to have some chatter in the Defensive Player of the Year award um, as well, which he always does. You know, so he's just a guy that brings it on both sides of the ball. He's he's Giannis. He's awesome. Everybody knows his story. He's who I had at three. Who'd you have at three? I have Booker. Yeah, the Suns, the Suns have been playing a lot better than I thought they were going to play this year. And partially it's because I was expecting a big regression from Chris Paul, who just basically hasn't played. Yeah. Um, so Devin Booker has had to step up and fill those shoes, and he's been doing it really well. Uh, you can build an entire offense around what Devin Booker can do because he's a three-level scorer and he can create for others. And Devin Booker tries on defense. He's not the greatest defender in the world, but he tries. That's all I ask of superstars is that you give a legit effort on the defensive end and you can't get exposed. And, you know, he's developed a really nice chemistry with Aiton. Aiton was also a guy that was like in consideration for NBA for me just because of the team success mm-hmm. with the Suns. I think he's played really well, especially after last season's debacle at the end of the season. Not sure if he's going to buy into the the culture of Phoenix and everything with his beef with Monty Williams. Um, Aiton's been great. But Booker, especially after dropping 51, I was like, it's kind of ridiculous for me to like look at what Devin Booker's doing. 51 points. Maybe there's some recency bias, but the Suns are still one of the best teams in the league, and Devin Booker is the best player on that team without question. Yeah, and he's the narrative award winner, right, when it comes to Chris Paul being in and out. Cam Johnson started off looking like he was going to have a bit of a, a breakout year, and then he's out. Jay Crowder taking a vacation, doing whatever the hell Jay Crowder's doing. Like, I don't, I still don't understand that whole Jay Crowder situation. It's very strange. Um, but without, you know, a lot of the support that he's had in the past, and they're keep trucking along, and he's the main reason why. No issue with Devin Booking there. So that leads us to our, our top two. For me, I had a guy that you had fifth. I had Steph Curry. And like I said, I did try to not let the record at the quarter mark influenced me too much. If this was the end of the season, it would probably be a lot similar to yours. But when I look at Steph Curry, 31 and a half points, basically seven rebounds, seven assists on 52, 43 and a half and 90 splits while shooting 12 threes a game is, I mean, like I said, I think this is the changing of the old guard to the new guard, but the old guard that is Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, they're still right there. I think Kevin Durant, like I said, is on the fringes of this right now with the circus that is Brooklyn. So he's got a little bit of work to do, but his season has also been ridiculous when you go look at the numbers that that he's putting up. Uh, but I think with Steph, and especially if they get that bench figured out, the Warriors are going to be right there. Their, their starting lineup is still the best lineup in the league mm-hmm. by far. When you look at the numbers, it's by far the best, best lineup 
in the league. And so I think they'll get something figured out and they're going to be in contention. And so I ended up putting Steph Curry at number two for those reasons. Yeah. And I have Giannis. Giannis is number two for me. We've, you've kind of already talked about all the stuff. We don't need to talk about why Giannis is great. Everyone knows why Giannis is great. So he's my number two guy. And that means number one, whose league is it? Will Jason Tatum's league, it's Jason, Tatum. it's Jason Tatum's Tatum. league, best player on the best team. And he's got the numbers to back it up. You know, we, we, we wax poetically about Jason Tatum for five, 10 minutes earlier in this podcast. You know, we talk about him all the time, the evolution of Jason Tatum. This guy is, is on another level right now. You add in his ability to play both sides of the ball. You know, he's averaging just over a block a game right now in the absence of, of Rob Williams. You think about, you know, without Rob, there's not as much rim protection. Jason Tatum is stepping up in that. So now you imagine what maybe that looks like with Rob coming back. You have an added piece of that versatility as you hope to get the defense back up to a little bit closer to the standard they set last year. And yeah, I just think right now, if you want to say there's somebody else that should be ahead of Jason Tatum, like I said, if you're really going to take away the records and everything that's happened at the first quarter part of the season, maybe. I know Zach Lowe did this about a week or two ago when they had him third. I don't know if it was him and Arnavitz or him and Kevin Pelton. I think they had him third behind Steph and Luca. But even as he had Scal on the podcast the other day, Zach Lowe was like, yeah, it's probably Tatum. You yeah, know? Scal, Scal was like, dude, let me let me help you get there. Like, it's Jason Tatum. Yeah, just like the national media just isn't quite realizing how great Tatum is. We're watching it every night. This dude, if this isn't an MVP season, I don't know what is. He's he's unbelievable. Yeah, this is it. That's it. So number one on both of our lists is Jason Tatum. That's our quarter season check-in. It's it's, it's kind of crazy that we're already a quarter of the way into the season. I can tell you right now. It's going to sneak up very quickly when we are doing the halfway mark because that's coming a couple weeks away, about six weeks away or so. We're going to be doing the halfway mark here again. So we will check back in at the midpoint for our all NBA and MVP. But that's going to do it for this one, Greg. We are going to put a bow on this episode of Green with Envy. As a reminder, please subscribe. Make sure you follow us uh, on our social medias at Green Envy Pod, at Wilbon13, at Mini Minnow. Also follow us over on Instagram at Green Envy Pod, at Manakis Music for my guy Greg here. Same as my Twitter handle for myself. Make sure you are subscribed to the Celtics blog feed, rate, review. And if you're free on Friday night, grab a drink, pull up. Come join us on Playback. We'll be hosting that watch party as we talked about. Come join myself and Greg. Come kick it in the comments. Maybe we'll have some special guests pop in. It's going to be a fun time. We hope that you all can join us. Greg, any final thoughts? And let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. Shout out to Uncle Al. The cookout continues. And with that, we're going to play you out with some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. We are called Black Sheep Optimists, and this is Skywalking. Peace, everybody. Peace. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embody that would go with the flow I could sing a different song If I could not hit the notes You had me taking off When you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now But I won't Let's go.